0: tell everybody your name your title sort of where that role um, starts and ends or generally what you oversee and then we'll talk a little bit about community involvement some of the uh, developments over the last year but tell me a little bit about who you are and what you're focused on
1: sure thank you chris so let me first say i appreciate the invitation to have a part of your your show um my name is Matthew Wiesaw. I'm currently the chairman for the Pokagon Band of Potawatomi Indians of Michigan and Indiana. I've been the tribal chairman on and off for the past 25 years. Uh, there's been some interchangeable parts there, but after uh, graduation, uh, shortly after graduation, my uh, I entered the Michigan State Police. Did a full career in the State Police, retiring in 2001 as a detective sergeant uh spent some additional time as a civilian working with the state police troopers association doing government relations work uh, at the same time also being involved with uh, my tribe we were reaffirmed by legislative action by congress in 1994. Um, i became the <coughs> vice chair first and then the chair of the tribe in 1996. Uh, did that for a couple years and because Um, The tribe, our offices are in Dewajak. I live in Lansing. It's about a two hour drive uh, with four kids at home in school. It just got to be too much. So uh, until my retirement in 2001, um, I I passed on continuing to serve uh, on council. But in 2002 was reelected back to the tribe and have been elected in one form or another, uh, one position or another. Uh, up until now, I'm, I'm currently the, the, the chairman Had a two year hiatus from 2013 to 2015, uh, where I served as the uh, executive director of the Department of Civil Rights for the state of Michigan under Governor Schneider. Um, and just, you know, we, we continue to do my, my opinion, continue to do great things for our citizens. We're just short of 6,000 citizens uh, spread around the country. Uh, probably half of our citizens live within a hundred and fifty mile radius of our main campus, like I say, which is the And uh, for me, it's just been uh, it's just been a labor of love. Uh, seeing the things that we do that improve the quality of life of our folks just brings uh, brings a great joy to me personally. Well,
0: obviously, there's. There's not a short-term connection. There's a lifelong connection, ultimately, with your mission. Um, we've been in business about 12 years, and it feels like a lifetime sometimes, uh, but it literally it sounds like it was ingrained in, in everything that you've done. Um. There's so much we see, we communicate with you a lot and with Four Winds and uh, various entities um, on a lot of your community outreach efforts and community support efforts. There's been so much charitable and community work done over the last year ongoing, but, but particularly over the last year. And why is that so consistent and important, particularly during periods of time where you and your related organizations and, and uh, businesses were as challenged as anybody was, you're still out there helping other people.
1: Chris, I think part of that stems from the fact that when when we were reaffirmed back in 1994, um, and then in 95, I, I became involved and in, went with a couple of other of our, our folks who were, um, from the area their their entire lives. Like I said, I was born and raised in a small town called Bangor, but after high school, I left. And when we were doing uh, educational presentations, so like Rotary Clubs, Lion Clubs and whatnot, we would, all, we would get these questions fairly regular. Um, why are you here? Why don't you go back where you came from? Which was shocking to me because the St. Joe... Uh, River Valley area is our home. It's always been our home. We are from here. So when we look at doing things for the community, we are doing things for our community. It just bleeds over to the, the uh, remaining community. So while we're helping ourselves, our own citizens, we are always helping others. And part of our culture is in our tradition is you never take more than what you need and you use everything that you take so it's very easy for us if we have the means to share some of our success with the community it's a very easy thing to do and one of the biggest things and i think one of the ones that i'm most proud of is the work that we do with the children's hospital Uh, when i first became involved and we started our um, young ladies Sumetra tour golf sponsorship The beneficiary of that was Beacon Health Systems, Memorial Hospital was the beginning. And the reason I say I was most proud of that is at that particular time, and I think we're in our 10th year this year, the hospital did not have the means to deal with some of the more severe medical conditions of youngsters. And if they had a a heart issue or eyes or other serious issues, they would either have to transfer them to Indianapolis or Chicago. Which really puts a strain on the family. So each year there was a target of a piece of equipment that we could help purchase that would allow the families to stay more local and support their their children who were in the hospital. Um, so those were easy um, things to do, easy decisions. In in my opinion, uh, some of our own tribal citizens have taken advantage of that by virtue of their young people getting, um, you know. Sick for 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 different things, and uh, having experienced that personally, you know, sitting with some of our citizens who had youngsters that were in the hospital, and not knowing what what the ultimate income was going to be, outcome was going to be, uh, that just that 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 is a great source of pride uh, for me and our our entire uh, tribal uh, council.
0: How does, and and I know this is a very short interview, but how do you give us a little nugget so that the greater Northwest Indiana community could understand a little bit more about the tribe?
1: That's a very good question. And one that probably is not an easy one to answer. We are uh, a very diverse group of tribal citizens. We we hold dual citizenship. The the Pokagon Band is a sovereign nation We get our sovereignty by being recognized in the US Constitution. So that has not been um, given to us by the state uh, or or anyone else. We are are recognized Article 1, Section 8 of the US Constitution, where it talks about the United States having a relationship with other countries and tribal nations. So that's where the sovereignty piece comes from. The diversity is you have folks, uh, I'll use myself as an example, we were. My family was very much aware that we were Pokagan from the time we were born. I have pictures when I went to school in kindergarten, where in November, you know, we would celebrate Native American month. And, and there is a picture of us sitting around the teepee and, and uh, I'm holding a book uh, written about my family. Now, while we knew we were Polkagan, we knew we were Native American. Uh, we were not uh, traditionalists or practicing the culture, but we were aware of who we are. Then you have other folks, uh, very good friends of mine, who were raised and lived the culture. Uh, you have others who really, until they were later in life, had no idea uh, that they were cocaine okay and banned. As a matter of fact, I tell a story sometimes. I went to school with three individuals um, who never self-identified as Native American. And then once we were reaffirmed and got involved and were providing for jobs, came forward and you know they are citizens of the tribe just like I am. So the, the, the answer to the question is really um, we have to go out on an educational tour, which we try to do. We spend a lot of time trying to educate the community, especially in the schools, getting in the curriculum to tell the true story of our native history, because what's in the history books right now is, is not very accurate at all, and then encourage folks to uh, you know, to our powwows. We hold a couple of powwows a year. Uh, We have other committees that are involved in this. So it's just a, uh, it's an effort on our part to educate the community, to get them to understand, you know, who we are. We are not new to the community. We've actually been here forever. We will be here forever. Um, And we encourage questions and interest in what we do, who we are, what our our, uh, abilities are craft wise, our traditions and our culture. Uh, And that will be something we will have to continue to do forever.
0: Tell me in your particular situation, what were some of the examples that you had for leadership growing up that modeled you and then Who what what are the principles that you try to implement with all those ways in which you've served?
1: You know that that's a a very good question and I have to go back to my uh, mother and father, um, not realizing that it was leadership that I was learning at the time, but we came from. uh, We were we were a poor family, but we were a family of service, even though we didn't have much, we always had something to share with others, so we have always been taught to serve. Um, My dad taught great work ethic, one of the first farmers I ever worked for. His philosophy was, I'm happy to give you eight hours pay for eight hours work. So I think the work ethic started first and then I um, spent a couple of years at Great Lakes uh, Bible College with the idea that I might go into the ministry, Uh, that didn't quite work out. But the two years that I spent there was a great foundation and doing you know the right things for the right reasons and treating people fairly which I think is a foundation of leadership and then when I got into the state police it even evolved more uh, worked with great leaders you know the, the the state police when when people have issues and they call law enforcement the state police in Michigan have developed this reputation that you know once we're on the scene it's a relief to folks because they know things are going to be taken care of so people look to you to do the right things for the right reasons. And, and I think that's a key component uh, for what I do. I, I always say we do the right things for the right reasons. We'll figure out the rest, you know, after that. Leadership um, with the Pokagon Band Tribal Council is a little bit different. Uh, you know, previous leadership, you were you were a leader because that was, that was your job. You were the leader. You had the authority and the control over a department, a section, a unit, whatever the case may be. With the Tribal Council, we are independently elected body, individually, of 11 people. So they all bring to the table, you know, what, what they bring to the table, and you hope you can lead them all to, you know, move in the same direction. Obviously, we'll have differences, but move in the same direction so that we're doing the right things for the right reasons and always working to improve the quality of life of the Pokagon Band citizens. That That is the goal the difficulty there sometimes is, is you have folks that have different ideas on how to get there. You, you only hope you can have these discussions and these differences, but yet at the end of the day, you know, come out of there doing the right thing. And one of the things I learned uh, several years ago was the, the value and the importance of emotional intelligence, which, you know, is a component of five different characteristics that in, if you're going to be effective, um, you you have to be, you know, self-aware of, of what's going on. You need to be self-regulated. You need to be motivated and you need to have empathy and you need to understand. And I think this is a critical one. You need to understand where your people are at so you can provide them the tools, the understanding of what we're trying to do to kind of bring everybody together. And it's it's been um. It's been an interesting time. I've worked with, um, very good councils where, you know, everybody was committed to the same thing. And then you have, uh, different councils where people have different ideas, not bad ideas, just different ideas on how we get from A to B, um, which at some points requires, you know, a lot more interaction, a lot more discussion, a lot more disagreement, but still hopefully at the end of the day, we get to where we're at. I, um, I like to empower the folks that I work with, give them the tools to make the good decisions uh, and and stay out of their way and and let them do their job.
0: Well, it's a very, very worthy goal. Any one of those characteristics, you know, I can exhibit sometimes, but not nearly as consistently as others. Uh, And I think it's a constant challenge to say, Are you going to be the kind of leader that they want to follow, not just that you want to be? Everybody, uh, the Pokegan band, every citizen throughout the world is dying to get back to normal and looks forward to that becoming more and more likely over time. Um, they're looking forward to being back in person together, they're looking forward to being back celebrating, they're looking forward to traveling and being out. Um, as we begin to move to that new normal, What is your group excited about to be bringing back? And you think the public is particularly gonna enjoy maybe later in 2021 and beyond?
1: Uh, Two different pieces to that, Chris. Uh, The the short, easy piece is we would very much like to open up some of our government amenities. And and by that, I mean our campground. We've We've got a nice campground. We've got a great powwow ground. We've had to cancel now three powwows so far. Uh, our our next powwow would have been over Memorial Day. That one's been canceled because of the unknown still. And the next one will be in September and hopefully we can have that. Um, people are just, they're, they're anxious to get out. They're anxious to come to our, our uh, government site and camp. So from a citizen perspective, that's what they're looking forward to. When you look to the, the uh, economic development side, when the pandemic hit, we shut down for 93 days. Uh, That was very difficult. That is, you know, governments, we we do not tax, we do not have the ability to tax. So our our main source of revenue is the casinos. So we were closed for 93 days. And then once we started opening, again, going back to the expertise of our emergency manager, our executive director of our gaming commission who controls all of the regulatory of the gaming commission. And then our operations team, when we reopened our properties, we have four casinos. When we reopened those, we did them in kind of a phased approach. Um, We were very specific on masks, temperature checks, the questionnaires. We got dividers up amongst the machines. We did not open up all the machines. We did not open up all the tables. And as the people begin to come back, I think they were very comfortable and recognizing the safety measures that we put in place, the fact that we were pretty adamant that you know if you're going to be here, you are going to wear your mask because this still is a very you know dangerous virus, and you know we want you to have fun but do it safely. I think what we've done over the past uh, probably eight months, nine months is shown the community that Four Winds Casinos is a very safe place to be. So we have, um, uh, you know, large crowds that come in, we're still only operating, we're not operating at 100%, but we have large crowds that are coming in, we have large crowds that are having fun, we have not had a single case of the virus being traced back to the property. So our folks are doing all of the right things, And the next step is, when can we open up our uh, concert series? Um, Don't have dates on that yet because a lot of that is being driven by the artists. When they feel comfortable and safe coming back, then we will open that back up. But I think from, uh, uh, from that perspective, that's the next step for what the people are waiting for.